You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. love is not good enough to take care of me today because I'm having a bad day. God's love is not good enough to take care of me because I'm sick. I'm hurting. I've lost a loved one. And on and on and on and on. God's not good enough for me today. He can't handle those things that are coming my way. And even when we run away, even when we run away, God still loves us. Even when we turn our backs on Him, He continues to have that love flow towards us. We often put ourselves down, not full realizing that when we do that, we're putting God down. Pastor Dave reminds us, whether you doubt His sufficiency or your worthiness, God's love still surrounds you. Nothing you do is stronger or more powerful than the love He has for you, and there's nothing you can do to change that. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 14, as he continues his message, Banished But Forgiven. David assures the woman that she's going to be safe from any retribution in verse 10. So King said, whoever says anything to you, bring him to me, and he shall not touch you any more. This doesn't satisfy the woman. She continues to pressure him. She continues to come at him full force. She's not satisfied. It's all part of the plan to get David into a vulnerable position. It's all part of her plan to get David into a vulnerable position concerning his son Absalom. Remember, this is a fabricated story. It's not true. She is playing the part. Look at verse 11. Then she said, Please let the kin remember the Lord your God and do not permit the avenger of blood to destroy any more, lest they destroy my son. And he said, As the Lord lives, not one hair of your son shall fall to the ground. Taking an oath in the name of the Lord was binding. It wasn't supposed to be ignored. Here David is taking an oath. Not one hair of the head of your son who killed your other son will fall. Not one hair on his head. David can't ignore him. The woman had him right where she wanted him. She got him right where she wanted him. She played him like a flounder. She played him. She played him. Only he wasn't a 17 and a half incher. He was probably pretty big. It was probably a pretty big flounder. She played him. She got him right where she wanted. Look at 12 through 17. Therefore the woman said, Please let your maidservant speak another word to the Lord my king. Okay. All right. Like I haven't said enough. I have one more thing to tell you. I have one more thing to tell you. I love that. When you ever have that happen when you're talking to somebody? You answer one question. They go, yeah, well, what about this? And so they're like, well, what about this? They always have one more thing to ask, one more thing to push. And he said, say on. You kind of like David. David. Okay, fine. I've heard you this far. Come on. Lay it on me. So the woman said to him, why then have you schemed such a thing against the people of God? For the king speaks this thing as one who is guilty. Uh-oh. In that the king does not bring his banished one home. She's talking about Absalom. 
She's talking about Absalom. She has them. For we will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away a life, but he devises means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. Now therefore I have come to speak of this thing to my Lord, the king, because the people have made me afraid. And your maidservant said, I will now speak to the king. It may be that the king will perform the request for his maidservant. For the king will hear and deliver his maidservant from the hand of the man who would destroy me and my son together for the inheritance of God. Your maidservant said, the word of the Lord, the king, will now be comforting for as the angel of God, so is my Lord the king discerning good and evil, that may the Lord your God be with you. Wow. Like I said, the woman had David right where she wanted him. David is trapped in his own words once again. Remember with Nathan was, we're going to kill the guy. We're going to get the guy who took that lamb, who killed that lamb. And Nathan said, uh, you're the man. And here she comes out of him. Is she calling him a hypocrite? Yeah, she's basically calling him a hypocrite. She's basically calling him a hypocrite. If David agreed to protect the guilty son who he did not know, how much more was he obligated to protect his own son? And that's what she's trying to say. This woman came to him as a matter of involving the future of the nation of Israel. It was the future. Why? Absalom was now the crown prince. Absalom was now heir to the throne. Absalom would take over for David when David passed on. So she had the future of Israel in mind. Absalom was next in line. He was the crown prince, but he was in exile. David forgave the murder of her son, so why could he not forgive the man who plotted the murder of Ammon? This is what the question was. How much longer was the king going to wait? That's basically what she said. King, life is short. Like water spilled on the ground, she says. Life is short like water spilled on the ground. Absalom is the future of the nation. You can't bring Ammon back alive. He's dead. Move on. Let's get moving with the business of the country. That's basically what she's saying. Unfortunately, the sort of forgiveness that David showed Absalom would only lead to rebellion. He doesn't fully embrace Absalom. God is no respecter of persons. And his law is true. But even God devises a way to show mercy and forgive people. He punishes sin. That's a given. And we know he forgives sin through his word. But God also seeks to reconcile those who are far off from him. And he's given us a reconciler. He's given us a redeemer who wants to call those who are far off come to himself. Turn to Ephesians 2, please. I'm going to read 11 down through probably 18. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, there it is, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinance, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to those who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Amen.
Those who were far off. He was talking about us, folks. He was talking about us being far off, doing our own thing. Gentiles in the flesh, uncircumcised. We didn't have the promises of God. We weren't supposed to have the promises of God. They were for the Jews. Although the Jews were supposed to show us the promises of God in hopes that we would come near them. We didn't have the covenant. But Jesus Christ came and reconciled us back to God. That was the covenant. He reconciled us back to God through the cross. And that's what Paul is saying here. And I love this. And in verse 14 that we just read, let's read it again back in 2 Samuel. For we will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away a life. He devises means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. This is one of the clearest pictures of the gospel in the Old Testament. This is an extremely clear picture of the gospel. We become banished from God by our sin. We're banished from God by our sin, and sometimes we're running off from Him because of our sin, as well as being exiled from Him. And sometimes when we're being chastened by God and the hand of God, we may also feel banished. Yet, we always have hope. The promise is that we belong to God. We're His children, and we're His. He's ours. We belong to Him. We've been purchased with a price. We've been purchased with a price. The price was the blood of Jesus Christ. And now we're trusting in Him that He's not going to let us go. Long, long time ago, God devised a plan to bring those who were banished back to Him. We were banished from God because of our sin. And we're not going to be expelled from Him. The way God provides back is through the person and the work of Jesus Christ and how He stood in the place of guilty sinners and hung on a cross and received the punishment we were supposed to receive. But if we're not careful, we can drift to what is called practical atheism. We can drift in practical atheism. Let me explain what I'm trying to say here. This happens when we get so far from God that He's no longer in our thoughts on a daily basis. We get so far from God, He's not relevant in our daily lives. We get so far from God, we don't read His Word. We don't pray. We don't come in fellowship with the saints. We get so far from God, we keep our distance from Him. Oh, we might even come to church to keep up appearances. I mean, if I don't come to church, they're going to think I'm weird, so I'm going to come. But yet our hearts are still not in it. Our hearts are still far from God. We're still far from Him. We seek those which stir up our emotions rather than the reality of His presence in our lives. So we, like Absalom, run away. We run away and we banish ourselves. We forget the most important thing of the gospel, the beginning of the gospel, for God so loved the world. Oh, how we forget that. We forget God's love. God's love is not good enough to take care of me today because I'm having a bad day. God's love is not good enough to take care of me because I'm sick, I'm hurting, I've lost a loved one, and on and on and on and on. God's not good enough for me today. He can't handle those things that are coming my way. And even when we run away, even when we run away, God still loves us. Even when we turn our backs on Him, He continues to have that love flow towards us. Let me ask you a question. Did the father of the prodigal son stop loving him when he ran off? No. There's your picture. What did the prodigal son's father do every single day the boy was away? Went onto the porch and looked, searching for the son. When is he going to return? Knowing he would return. 
That's what's so cool about it, knowing that he would return. He looked there. He never gave up hope that his son would come home. And even though the son turned away from his loving father, the father never stopped loving him. You can turn away from God all you want and suffer the consequences and do those things, but God will never stop loving you. Why? Because if you're in Christ Jesus, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. That deserves to be read. You know the verse, Romans 8, 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, where? Which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You want to experience that non-separation? Get back to Christ our Lord. Get back in with Christ. Get back in with Christ. He still loves us. Why? When you purchase something that really is important to you, you really like it. And some of you have turned that like into love. I love my new house. I love my new car. I love my new boat. You love it, right? You love it. God purchased us with his dear son's blood. He purchased us. He brought us back. He reconciled us. He redeemed us. He took us out of the darkness and placed us into his marvelous light. He took us from once we were sinners into the fact that now we're sinners saved by God's grace. And he never stops loving us. And that love continues to pour out upon it. And the deeper I get into his word and the deeper I get closer I get to him, the more I realize how much that love is. Paul says, who can fathom that love? Who can fathom the depth, the height, the breadth, the width of that love? We can't fathom it, but boy, I want to try. I want to experience all the love that he has for me. And I need to experience it by getting into his word, by studying, by praying, by fellowshipping, by helping others, by demonstrating God's love to others. And I continue to get more and more. I want to know that love. I want to know that. God cannot deny the relationship that he has with you. He loves you. While you were yet sinners, Christ died on the cross for you. While you were yet sinners. We may be still banished we may be a Spanish son or daughter. You may have banished yourself. You may have placed yourself in exile, but his love is still there. His love is still available for you, and he wants you back by his side right now. He wants you back by his side. He's not happy that you've gone away, but he continues to love you. Continues to love you. David longed for his son Absalom, and the Lord longs for those who are banished, but the obstacles are there. The obstacles for coming back are there. What are the obstacles? Well, they're twofold. God is holy and righteous. Those are the obstacles standing in our way between us and our relationship with God. God is holy and righteous. We can only be deemed holy and righteous by Jesus Christ's blood. So if I'm out there doing my own thing, forgetting about God, forgetting about the blood of Christ, he's like, yo, come on, come back. We need to come to God on his terms, not our terms. His terms are holy and righteous. Blood of Jesus Christ makes you that way, makes you holy and righteous. God will forgive. God has forgiven. But we must close the gap between sin and righteousness. How? By confessing our sins. Close the gap between sin and righteousness. I confess my sin to you. I'm a rotten, dirty sinner. Yes, please forgive me. 
I confess my sin. I believe that Jesus paid for my sin on the cross. I believe that. I believe that his blood washed away my sin, and now I'm clean before you, and I'm only righteous through him. I close the gap between sin and righteousness. The gap no longer exists. It might still be there, but there's a cross right between it. I used to sing a song in one of the wild tapes years ago, there's a cross to bridge the great divide. A cross to bridge the great divide. The great divide between man and God. The divide is sin. There's a cross that bridges that gap. God is calling the banished home via that cross. You've got to go through the cross to get home to God. One commentator said this, we cannot lower the standards of righteousness. If the pardon you want is for God to wink at your sin, he's not going to do it. God does not take sin lightly, nor should we. God does not take sin lightly, nor should we. Do you realize what it cost him? Think about that. I challenge each and every one of you to spend some time thinking about what actually happened on that cross. To really think about what happened. I mean, it's one thing to think that Christ died for me, a lowly, rotten sinner. But to think that he died for the entire world, the sins of the entire world came upon him that day. Oh, the burden that must have felt. He who knew no sin became sin for us. The burden that that must have been. The pain that he must have felt when that came in, let alone the father saying, I don't know. And him yelling out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God's requirements must be met. There's no way around it. And they're met at the cross. Only the cross is where righteousness of God can be found. I call it a God kind of righteousness. It's the righteousness that Paul speaks about in Romans 1. I'm going to read uh, 16 and 17. Romans 1, 16 and 17. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. And here it is. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written in Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith. The righteousness of God that we have is by faith and faith alone. No other way. Only by faith can you enter. Only by faith can you stand. Not by your human endeavor, but by the blood of the Lamb. Only by faith. A righteousness in faith that Jesus Christ took on the cross the penalty for my sin. That gulf between sin and God has been bridged by the cross of Jesus Christ. Just to think that the Father subjected His only begotten Son, subjected His only begotten Son to the horrors and sin of the cross. It is only at the foot of the cross that man receives forgiveness of sins. And when you do that, you'll learn to hate the sin that has separated you from God. You'll learn to hate it. God's forgiveness can only take place when the one who is guilty is brought before a most holy God by faith and realizes the price that has been paid. When I was studying this, I'm not really even sure why I went that way, but that was the way what the Lord showed me when I was studying this. Getting back to 2 Samuel, David senses that the woman was put up to her shenanigans by Joab. Let's finish our text for today, 18 and 20. 
Then the king answered and said to the woman, Please do not hide from me anything that I ask you. And the woman said, Please, let my lord king speak. So the king said, Is the hand of Joab with you in all this? And the woman answered and said, As you live, my lord, the king, no one can turn to the right hand or to the left from anything that the Lord the king has spoken. For your servant Joab commanded me, and he put all these words in the mouth of your maidservant. To bring about this change of affairs, your servant Joab has done this thing. But my Lord is wise, according to the wisdom of the angel of God, to know everything that is in the earth. David, through discernment, realizes that he's been set up. But he also realizes what he has to do. Somehow knew that Joab, in a subtle way, had a hand in this. Joab, the lady said, put words in my mouth. He orchestrated this whole thing. He knew exactly what strings to pull in you, David. But although he was loyal to you, and although Joab is loyal, it's a selfish loyal. Joab is a very selfish person. And as the woman spoke, as the king suspected it, for he couldn't think that this woman would come to this appeal by himself in such a moment. Remember, Joab was not only political, but he was a friend of Absalom. The woman owned up to it. You're right, Lord. I did it. I did it. I stopped there because of what transpired in verse 14. It touched my heart so greatly. It touched my heart so profoundly that I had to share those things with you. We're going to watch as Absalom is brought back to Jerusalem. But David's forgiveness is completely inadequate. He doesn't forgive him all the way. And this is going to lead to even further sin. God's forgiveness of man's sin is completely adequate. It is completely adequate, and it should serve as a deterrent to continual sin. God's grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in our weakness. God has done such a marvelous work for us that we dare not take it for granted, that we don't look at it just, oh, yeah, okay. No, realize. And I can guarantee you one thing. If you pray... If you pray that the Lord would open up your eyes to what happened on the cross, I pray that when he does open those eyes, your eyes will have tears in them. I pray that your eyes will have tears in them when you realize exactly what transpired on that cross that day. What he did for each one of us in this room and what he did for the entire world, I guarantee if you really truly get with God, get alone, it will bring you to tears when you realize what happened. I think we are too glib about the cross sometimes. I think we take it for granted. I think it becomes a buzzword. Oh, it's so much more. And I shudder to think where it's going and how people are denying the fact that it even existed. They're denying the fact that Jesus used the cross. They're calling him a coward, calling him he didn't have to die. There's so many crazy things out there. The world is switching and moving so far away from the cross that it's scary. And my prayer is, as long as I'm pastor here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May, we'll preach to Christ and Christ crucified. We'll preach the cross. Because in it, in the cross, is salvation. God's kind of righteousness in the cross for everyone who believes and enters by faith. You are We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but that's all we have time for today on Assure Hope. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can explore more of this series in 2 Samuel or jump to another book of the Bible. Each one gives unique insight into God's plan for you and this world you live in. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult. So we'd like to make that just a bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. We're gathering in person, but we understand if you're not comfortable with that yet. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live. Just follow the link at assurehoperadio.com. We look forward to worshiping with you, either in person or virtually this weekend. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time to continue this study in the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.